I was looking up some definitions. Um, defining words is important sometimes because we use words, obvious fuckingly, right? Uh, we're not dolphins. We don't have sonar waves. We're not underwater. We have words that we use to identify and express things. And sometimes when like modern day English is being used, we forget that there's so many added meanings. There's so many changed definitions and there's so many like colloquial understandings of a word. It's good every now and a fucking again that we utilize this incredible technology that we have in the palm of our hand. What is it? 80, 90 percent of the day. We can go on to the 10 billion search engines that exist and get really accurate understandings of information that you needed in education to access in the past. And we all fucking have it. It's all at the palm of your hand. Um, I go and I'm looking up two words in particular because I was trying to express something in my brain that I didn't really understand. Got a little bit more clarity. I was thinking about the words jealousy and envy. And what the thought I had initially was like, I never experienced envy or I never experienced jealousy. And that's not what I was trying to say. I've definitely experienced jealousy. I've definitely experienced envy. I'll just read this for you. I thought this was a great synopsis. It's kind of telling you the difference between jealousy and envy. Although many people consider envy and jealousy to be synonyms, if you don't know what a synonym is, it's two different sounding words, same meaning. Uh, they are actually not synonyms. They have distinct meanings. Envy is the painful feeling of wanting what someone else has, like attributes or possessions. And if you're jealous, you feel threatened, protective, or fearful of losing one's position or situation to someone else. So I felt, you know, in a certain way, what both of those things are defined as. I've seen somebody with a possession and say, man, I would love that. Man, I would like that. And I've also had something and been fearful or threatened of losing. And uh, the thought that I was trying to form in my head, I'm glad that there's a Google here because I'm not that smart. Google can help me understand that, that these words are not even what I was trying to express. What I was trying to express is the fact that when I have felt envy for somebody having something and uh, I didn't have it and I wanted what they have. I didn't hate that person because of it. <laughs> I didn't even identify the other individual in that situation. I was, I've always been pretty clear on if there's something that I want that I don't have and somebody else has it, the other person is not even a factor in my brain as it pertains to what emotional reaction I have. It's just pretty plainly, I don't have this. I would like this. Somebody else I can see, it's just more observation. I can see that they have it. I don't have it. I would like to have it. Not that person has it, I don't. I can see that they have it and that makes me hate them. I don't have that. And I'm not saying that in like a self-righteous way. I was just kind of like analyzing that you know, I, I don't have that quality. It's something about that. Like, I don't, you know, it's not, once again, it's not like a righteousness. It's not judging people who are like that. It's just not me. It's not me. And I was noticing that shit as well as like, if I've ever been jealous, I don't hate 
whatever makes me feel threatened to lose or insecure doesn't cause me to like hate. And that's, that, that's also saying, it's not saying that I've never felt hate. I felt that before. I felt, you know what I mean? Whatever the fuck that is. It's a very vague thing. Let's look up the definition of hate. That's interesting, right? I, know, I, I think I felt hate. I'm pretty sure. Let's see what hate is. All right. Feel intense or passionate dislike for somebody. Intense or passionate dislike. That definition doesn't really kind of... <laughs> that, for me, does not hit the nail on the head right there. I feel like hate is a little bit deeper than passionate dislike. You know, when I'm on Reddit and I see something I don't like and I put the down arrow, if I press it really fucking hard, I don't think that means hate. I think that's what hate means to me. Actually, I'm thinking this definition is what hate means to me. I see that people have hatred... That is so far gone that it's destructive, that it changes the person that is hating, that they can go lengths that are insane to carry out destruction on the thing that they hate. I don't necessarily have that too much. Mine is more like an intense dislike. It's like if there was an option to put a thumbs down on something I see on Instagram, I probably click it three times. That's what hate is for me. That's how I use the word. When I use that word, it's not with, you know, the same energy that I feel like when some people use that word. It's really, <laughs> it's really serious. Think about that as well. Outside of thinking of positives and negatives in such like a binary good or bad way, there's favorable dispositions in life depending on what era, what time you're in, I think kind of universally in a living experience, not even just human beings, animals, insects, this prey versus predator binary reality is something that it's necessary for ecosystems to survive. It's necessary for balance to be maintained. And so there are certain creatures, animals, or human beings who are predisposed to more of a, uh, I would even say like a hateful or ruthless disposition. And that is necessary. You know what I mean? It's If you think about it from a logical standpoint, if you zoom out and you pay attention to the big picture, like I was just watching David Attenborough, my daughter last night, the great David Attenborough, what a fucking life. What a Caucasian life. You know what I mean? Black people, Hispanic people, the contributions. It's just a fucking long list. It's longer than the naughty or nice list from Santa Claus. It's an incredible amount of contributions. It's undeniable if you're a logical human being that African-Americans built this country. It's undeniable that Afro-Caribbeans, uh, whatever you fucking call us, Latinx, uh, black Americans, these people are the largest contributors to the cultures, to the, the cultivation, to the movement forward, to the progression of this beautiful country of America. With all of that being said, um, I can't find a story of a black or Latin or Afro-Caribbean life that is going to get close, as close to uh, magical as a life like David Attenborough. It's just a white man life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
<laughs> just traveling the globe, always in a bubble of white safety, able to go into any tribe or uncharted territory with a camera, and the world loves him. You know, Jesus is white. All that being said, I'm joking. I do love David Attenborough, and I'm watching one of his like documentaries. If you don't know who he is, he does like nature shit. And he narrates it and he has the greatest voice on fucking planet Earth. And this one was about like the deep seas. And he was talking about the necessity of the alpha predator of the deep sea, or not even the deep sea, but of the oceans, which is sharks. Everybody knows this. And the sharks, he was he was trying to illuminate the importance of their consumption of a certain type of fish, where they're seen and depicted mostly by humans. I mean, animals don't think like this, but we think like this, like, oh my God, these sharks, they're the bad guys. We even made a corny fucking horror series, Jaws, where, you know, the the sharks are evil and they're trying to eat the human beings. I never watched it, but it's fucking gay. And it doesn't matter. The point of it is, is that we look at it with a negative connotation, not understanding what David Attenborough was trying to express, what nature tries to express, that sometimes that is a necessary, quote unquote, evil. These violent predators and in this case the sharks their role in their ecosystem was to eat a certain type of fish and keep that level of population in balance because if they were overpopulated then those fish were the predators to another type of fish that keep the coral reef alive so if the sharks don't eat you know fish a then fish A are going to eat fish B and fish B aren't going to keep the coral reef alive. And that is important for the overall ecosystem and everybody's unhappy. So the big bad wolf got to do what he got to do to keep that, you know, fish A population in check. And I was like, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. It is something that we can kind of like apply as a philosophical understanding to why the world is so goddamn brutal, ladies and gentlemen. But it is not... I think it's unnecessary for human beings to continue reconciling the brutality of life, the pain that comes with just being in existence, regardless if you are in a position of status or protection where you're not facing the ills of the world, where you're not uh, unprotected, where you're not exposed to the dangers of life, or if you are somebody who's exposed and you don't have resources and you don't have help. Regardless, life comes with an inherent pain. It comes with an inherent level of danger. And it's necessary. We probably just can't see how all of these things that are perceivable evils play out on a bigger scale and create harmony and balance on the ecosystem that is Earth. You know, and what the fuck am I talking about? We're face fucking the globe. Uh, it was snowing in Los Angeles. Everything's going to hell. I lied. Um, no, I'm being serious. I'm, I'm I'm trying to zoom out and really think about it. I I think I'm right. I think I'm goddamn right. I think we don't have the perspective because we're playing the chess game. Isn't that fucking true? When you're on West Fourth Street in New York City and you go through uh, Washington Square Park and you see these black guys who appear to be homeless and they're chess savants. And they get some young German tourist who is trained in the art of chess, very homosexual game. And they sit down with this old black guy that looks homeless 
and they lose $20 bills at an incredible fucking rate. They just get conned out of their money because that guy that looks homeless, that's his job. He's there and he plays chess all goddamn day and he hustles tourists. Point of the story is if you're an outsider watching the game, you can see where that tourist is going wrong. But when you're in the player seat, it's not as easy to have perspective and understand what is the most favorable move. You're in a different dynamic. You're in the competition. The degree, the magnitude changes everything. I think that's why David Attenborough, those guys with the fucking incredible underwater cameras and whatever marine biologist go and they go underwater and they study those sharks and they can understand the big picture. The fish might have an emotional disposition. I don't know if fish have emotions. Uh, but if they did, that would fucking suck because that's a really brutal reality. But the fish might feel attacked. The fish might feel like, oh, my God, these motherfucking sharks is eating us. And they don't get it. Big picture. They're just trying to regulate. And they don't even know what they're doing. But they're, they're doing God's work. They're regulating that portion of fish A's population. So fish A don't eat all the fish B. And fish B can continue helping the goddamn coral reef. Everybody's happy. Take that parallel it, human, chess, West 4th Street, Washington Square Park. Maybe the aliens are doing that with us. Maybe the aliens <laughs> are surveilling us to help us get a greater perspective. And what are we doing? Like the hairless chimps that we are, we're shooting down UFOs. And it's just some bald, gray David Attenborough in the sky with his camera crew. And he's trying to show us you guys are suffering because you're, you have such a bad emotional perspective on what is necessary for humanity to continue going forward. All this is these, these, these evils that you think are going on, all these ills of society. This is just what has to happen. These are the psychological discomforts that human beings at mass have to experience for you guys to elevate to the next goddamn level of emotional maturity, of global harmony, of less war, of more peace, kumbaya motherfucking ya. And they just wanted to document this and probably we're going to gift it to us. And we started shooting their ships down. God damn it, human beings. I'm going to take a sip of my goddamn coffee. Isn't that beautiful? Um... <laughs> Um, I was going to talk about something else. Oh, no. Oh, no. I thought I wrote it down. I think I just put it in my safari. This is what I do, ladies and gentlemen. I, it's, it's a Saturday. It's my excuse. Woke up around 9.30. It's an hour later, and I'm just drinking my coffee. The brain. The brain is still waking up. Ah, this is what I wanted to talk about. I looked this word up as well. We're going to call this definitions. That's what this episode is going to be called. I like in the midst of me recording, when I figure out the name of the podcast, it just makes everything more fluid. I'm in the flow. Makes everything very motherfucking easy. This one is going to be called definitions. This definition is a beautiful one, ladies and gentlemen. The word that I'm motherfucking talking about is purpose. P-U-R-P-O-S-E. We all think about it. We all contemplate we all meditate on this word at one point, at many points of our lives. It is something, it's like that 
unreachable fruit. You know, they say don't reach for the low hanging fruit. You reach beyond your means. This one is very beyond the means of most individuals. Now, there are certain individuals who are intelligent enough, who are um, enduring enough mentally, psychologically, where they can spend years of their lives crafting illusions around themselves to try to fill the void and answer the question, what is my purpose? You know, we call those individuals mad. They're crazy. Nobody fucking knows. And that's why I'm here, because I like to speculate. I like to I like to think I like to open up the unknown. Let's read the definition first. The purpose, the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Now, instead of something, we're going to assume the position of that something. We're talking about man and woman, the human being. What is our purpose? I was thinking about that, like hypothetically. I wonder about, you know, just thinking in, in, in the framework that I've already kind of built with the previous parallels, the previous metaphors, thinking about like the necessary evil of a shark eating a certain population so that that population doesn't overpopulate, eat another population, and the population that has been eaten, that is close to extinction, was responsible for cultivating the coral reef under the ocean. And, you know, I don't know why that's fucking important, but apparently it's fucking important, right? There's a bigger picture at play. The guy that's seemingly evil is actually doing something good, but everybody can't fucking understand that. Uh, thinking within that framework of everything being kind of symbiotic, not necessarily symbiotic, but everything being necessary for, for you know, things to, to move the way that they're moving and, and really the progression of the entirety of humanity to continue evolving, adapting, and moving forward. Uh, do you think God looks at things like that? Does God understand it in such a wise overview? Is he able... He or she or whatever. I don't want to offend any fucking body out there. You know what I mean? Um, but is God able to understand the big picture of what's happening on earth and be at peace because the things that are perceivably evil to us or brutal to us, to him, it is just necessary. It's like when you light a fire, the match is sacrificed in the production of a much bigger flame that has a greater purpose. And when you apply that to the microcosm that is the 8 billion people on this planet, it's not going to be fucking fair. There are going to be some people who burn very fucking bright in this lifetime and, and have a perceivably large purpose. And then there's going to be some, a lot of fucking matches, right? Because <laughs> the wind blows, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people going to be... And it's... It's going to be a lot of human lives. It's, it's the way it's been for a long fucking time. And I wonder about people who think they have callings or they have spiritual connections with the higher and maybe even God. And in their lives, they have feelings from when they're children. And it's like God talking to them and saying, you have a grand purpose in this play that is unfolding that you understand as human life. It is a dance and everybody is involved. It is cohesive. It is in harmony. And you will play such an integral role in what is to be, what is surely to be. That is God talking to the spirit of one man. 
in this hypothetical. And that man is receiving that for whatever reason, he's special enough to receive that message in such a potent understanding. It is without words. It is without omen. It is without understanding of others. It is just a pure connection between man and his God. It is amazing. It's wonderful. It's magical. And that individual goes and he walks in faith knowing he has a purpose. He has a purpose and he holds it like a man could hold something in his hands with pure knowledge and understanding without questioning, like it is part of his physical reality. And so he goes fearlessly into the world and just lives. And as God guides him, the man goes and he walks and into what seems to be, you know, a very terrifying world. And he's walking um, in his village or his town or his city. And as he's walking, uh, he trips and falls into a manhole and dies. And he goes up to heaven. He says, God, you told me I had a purpose. You told me I had a purpose. You told me that I, I was put on this earth and I was going to be an incredible factor and uh, a, a very thick, beautiful golden thread that will be woven into the quilt of life. What happened? Did you lie to me, oh Lord? I put my faith in you. And God looks at him and says, uh, no, you played your fucking role. There was a, <laughs> it was an uncovered manhole. Your death covered all manholes and millions of people's lives will be saved going forward. People are not going to make that dumbass mistake. And then he said to God, I don't understand why you put so much conviction into my heart and told me I was going to be so important. He's like, yeah, you're going to be fucking important, but you're not fucking LeBron James, nigga. Like, I don't know what the fuck. You understand what I'm saying? Not everybody's going to be big time, baby. Not everybody's going to be big time. You got to know your motherfucking role, baby. No. <laughs> I do think about it like that, though. I'm like, what is, most of what we look at and we assign importance to and what we assign greatness to these are all within the confines of how man defines. And it's an incredible contradiction. I'm not talking religiously. I'm not talking um, adhering to anybody's philosophical ideas um, or, or spiritual ideas. I'm talking about just the contradiction of an acceptance that God is in his totality is unknowable. And therefore, within that understanding... If God is unknowable, then the processes by which he thinks or understands is inconceivable to us. And yet we assign, very contradictory, we assign our own judgments uh, and our own five sensory limit, limited ideas of what greatness and what magical and what important is and we, we we align that with you know what i'm saying like god-given gift or we don't fucking know what god thinks is important what he's impressed by you know what i'm saying like, <laughs> what if, what if god was not impressed by the things that we were impressed by what if he was like what the fuck are you doing what the fuck are you doing we go to award shows we, we tune in nationally broadcasted award shows where people go and they, they get awarded for things that we love as human beings. We love movies. To us, we call it transformative art. It can take us and entertain us and teach us through the lens of a tale. 
and we think this is beautiful. And maybe God is looking at that and say, what the fuck are you? What are you? What? You're wasting time. <laughs> you're wasting time. This is gay. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, <laughs> point of the story, ladies and gentlemen, if you feel like your life is small and that the role you're playing is insignificant, understand that that is an impossibility. That is firstly just an impossibility. If you looked at things from a large enough scale, you are playing a role, whether your hands are in your pocket and you're whistling and your head is in the fucking clouds and you're ignorant as a fucking popsicle. You understand what I'm saying? You're playing as important a role as somebody who is super conscious and elevated and ambitious and successful. You know, don't give too much power to people who are, who have the power to perceivably change the world and don't negate the person who's not doing shit. It's all part of this beautiful ballet that we are watching, that we are fucking experiencing. That's the philosophy of the motherfucking podcast. It's not that important. It's a, it's just happening. Just accept it. What would this world be? And there, there's a necessary balance. There is a necessary balance in this lifetime. You don't want to fucking astral project out of your fucking body and be in the spirit realm all goddamn day. There's things that need to happen. You got to pick up your dog shit. You understand what I'm saying? You got to wipe your baby's ass. There's things that need to happen on a day-to-day basis. You need to be grounded. But you also should not be so fucking possessed by this quote-unquote game that is presented to you, this rat race, this fucking, I need success, I need this, I need that, it's like, okay, okay, but it's, it's happening, it's fucking happening, regardless, it is happening, um, <laughs> what else was I thinking about, I was, I was, I had like fucking a thousand thoughts pop into my brain while I was making my coffee, which I'm grateful for. You have to have gratitudes in this life. I, I, don't, I don't think... I can never give... I like to give dual angles. As much as I hate binary politics, I love the premise of creating a binary split on anything. Because it's just great for conversation. That's what this is about. Everything with a grain of salt, ladies and gentlemen. Some things I say with conviction and they're very compelling. Don't even believe in myself. It's just conversation. It's just fun. But... um. I like to create like a, a split, a fork in the road uh, for anything. And I really can't find a negative side to gratitude. Like I really can't find a, a negative side to gratitude. Only thing I could think of is like, <laughs> I was just watching the wildest shit I've ever seen in my goddamn life. I was watching um, Will Smith give like a speech about the movie Emancipation. And he was talking about how he found God. And yesterday I, I found God. I was talking about finding God because I had diarrhea and that kind of spiritual experience you have when you're sick and you're shitting your brains out or you're vomiting. And um, somehow that connects you with the creator. It's just a desperation for the pain to stop. It's really a selfish function in our psychology. And I guess it was similar with Will Smith because he was an actor in this movie Emancipation where he plays a slave. I don't know why they still make slave movies in 2023. Big question mark. But he plays a slave in the movie and the actor that he's, he's in this scene that he's against um, is like a slave master and it's a white guy in real life. And Will Smith is a very rich black man. 
very, very, very rich black man in real life, Will Smith outranks whatever fucking actors in front of him. Nine times out of 10, regardless of race. In the movie, Will Smith is a slave and the actors outranking him in this hypothetical world uh, that used to fucking exist where certain people were enslaved and other certain people just based off of like color and shit. And the actor ad-libbed and spit on Will Smith's chest, right? That's where I would see gratitude as a negative because the way that Will Smith described it is he was grateful that that helped him to find God. And I was like, nah, nigga, that's not, that's not it. That's not it. That's not God. <laughs> that is not God. I don't think so. Sound like Hollywood, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's where gratitude would be negative. Beside that, I'm grateful for my coffee. And um, that's the positive side of it. Take another motherfucker sip. Last thought, and I'll sign off. I've heard before in my life, and I contemplate or recontemplate sayings that I heard that maybe had impact when I was younger or maybe didn't have impact. And as I reanalyze everything, as you change, the things you've digested in the past change, you know, the things that you contemplated in the past, the things that have once moved you in the past, they also change. Your memories the way you feel about things, they also change. So it's a very strange thing about life. If you're not experiencing it yet, you will experience it. We are all fucking getting older. I heard this saying once, youth is wasted on the young. And it's such a powerful saying just because I love the English language and always have. And I love uh, when you can put words together in a certain sequencing that for whatever reason, they just become magical in combination and they can move 10,000, a million, 10 million people. I always find magic in that. I'm like, what is that? What is that? That's one of those sayings that even without the wisdom of life, the experience of a long life, as a young man, I heard that and I was like, oh, there's something there. I don't even know what the fuck it means yet. I'm still young. I don't feel like I'm wasting it. But it's such a powerful youth is wasted on the young. And as I, I reflect on that or redigest that at 30 years old versus maybe 20 or, you know, 15 years old, I think about that and I'm like, that's half true. What it's kind of implying there, it sounds like a saying that an older person said. And what they're trying to express is like, yo, when I was younger, I didn't appreciate or I wasted. And if I could just apply the wisdom and experience that I have now into being a younger person, take all my knowledge and understanding and wisdom and plop that into a, a, a 30-year-old body, it, it would be a much more enjoyable experience. And I want to counter and I want to challenge that. I don't think that's fucking true. I don't believe that's true. I was thinking about that. I was like, I don't think people who are older want to go back to the past with their knowledge now it would be beneficial, but that's not really fucking fun. That's not what people actually want. You don't want to be young. You want to be stupid again. That's what the fuck is fun about it. That is what the wasting is the youth. That is what's youthful about it. Like I think about it, I'm like, I always, I've said to myself for many years, I'm like, man, I'm 30 years old. If I could go back to being 20 years old with the knowledge I have now, it would have been easier. Maybe. But if I apply that logic, like realistically, 
and I was 30 years old in any previous time, how would I fare? Or how would, how would emotionally, how would it feel? Like if I took my 30 year old self and went to like 1969, or if I was 20 years old in 1969, right? 20 years old, I was no consciousness. I was just a fucking chimp. I didn't know anything. <laughs> I didn't fucking know anything. So the world was new. Everything was fucking fun. I would make mistakes and I had no shame. It didn't matter to me. There was no weight. And at 30 years old, things are fucking different. If I plop my 30-year-old ass in 1969, that would not be fun. I couldn't go and experience the fun of that because at 30 years old, even though I'm very young, it, it is youth. I'm still youthful. I'm like in that period of transition into trying to be an actual fucking adult. And how stressful would that fucking be? Me trying to mature myself while people are shooting up heroin in the streets and dropping fucking ass. That's not going to be fun at all. It's not going to do anything for me. I want to be stupid again. That's what people really fucking want. I think that's what the person who ever made that quote, that's what they were missing. You know what I mean? They were thinking from a realm of like how advantageous it would be to be wise in their youth, but that's not youth. That's not true youth. The, the, the magic of youth is the unknown. The magic of youth is the ignorant hopefulness. The, the magic of youth is the stupidity. That's what it fucking is. <laughs> That's what it is. You know, I don't think youth is wasted on the young. I think you can be young as long as you fucking want. Just don't pay attention. Just don't fucking pay attention. You ever met somebody like I, I meet, I go to like certain parts of this country and I meet people that really truly stay young. Like they never fucking watch the news <laughs> or they completely disregard it, you know? And I think these people are smarter than informed people. They understand that the world is going to do whatever the fuck it's going to do with or without them. The world is just going to keep on fucking doing whatever the fuck it wants to do. And they just stay out the goddamn way and they drink their margaritas and they fuck on strangers and they roll around this fucking country like bums, hands in the pocket, whistling, eyes up in the fucking sky. And they, they just, it's, it's less stress. It's less, you know. <clears throat> what do I know? What the fuck do I know? Um, actually like where I am in my life. I do. I actually do like where I am. I do still feel young from like a physiological standpoint. I'm, I'm only 30. But I'm not as stupid as I would like to be. <laughs> I want... I want to just, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, that's going to take the cake. Everybody is, you know, competing right now for the, the tool that is going to enslave mankind, right? You got the Neuralink, you got the, uh, the metaverse goggles, you got the fucking, um, these social media websites that just consume your brain with these powerful algorithms and artificial intelligence that's going to start atrophying all the muscles of critical thought and creativity. Everybody is competing, on how to destroy the modern man and turn them into uh, real literal sheep, real literal sheep, right? Everybody's competing for that. I think the invention that is yet to come about, and hopefully I'm not starting the beginning of the end. Hopefully my, my role in this life is not to bring about the Antichrist. And, and God put me on this earth to make a stupid podcast where I say shit and somebody hears me and it inspires the evil that is going to bring about the Armageddon. But I'm going to state my idea anyway. I think when people can, uh, or whoever mad scientist comes about, or maybe is already in existence, 
can make an invention that would unplug people from their current level of, I guess, consciousness or awareness and put them back in a state of being when they were stupid again. Not young. Young is, rel- you know, every, this, everybody can be young. This, 50 year olds are young now, fucking days. You know what I'm saying? They shoot some stem cells in a ball sack. They're fucking all night. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about stupid again. I'm talking about 21. That's what people want. People want to be 21, drinking Jack Daniels, going to a fucking bar, whatever invention comes about. This artificial machine that'll put you in a state of being 19, 20, 21 again. And just seeing the world in that fucking narrow, blinders on the side, no periphery. Believing you could take over the fucking planet with no goddamn qualifications. You understand what I'm saying? That's what people fucking need. Um, I'm too excited. <laughs> yeah, somebody cooked that up, right? I don't know. It's a beautiful day. Today is a Saturday. And the sun, the sun is just motherfucking shining, baby. The sun is motherfucking shining. I pray and I pray. I pray that everybody goes out and gets some sunshine and absorbs beautiful vitamin D from the beautiful sun. And um, balance your day today. I want you, I, I hope that this conversation, me like a madman, just freestyling philosophy, freestyling speculation, analyzation of things that are extremely important to think about, but likewise, they're not that important. I hope your day goes like that today. I hope you can have epiphanies of great consciousness and upon receiving the weight, upon that ushering of golden vibration through the break in the clouds, the heavens, you know, undulate unto you an incredible epiphany. After you receive that and that gravity is placed on your your physical being and your spiritual body and your astral body and you have all that weight on you of that newfound consciousness, I hope you can release it just as quickly and just unlearn and go with the fucking flow because it is important, but it's not that fucking important. It's not that big of a fucking deal. Ladies and gentlemen, if you continue listening to Nothing Important Podcast, I want to thank you sincerely. Thank you. Continue listening. Do me a fucking favor. Go on to the Instagram. Like the post. Like the reels. Until next time.